Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a Catholic podcast that explores topics within the Catholic faith to help us deepen our spiritual lives, own our relationship with the Lord, and strengthen His church. Hey, what's up? My name's Rochelle Lucero, and welcome to the Clumsy Theosis podcast. I am your host and the creator of this space, uh, this ministry that is dedicated to transforming the world by letting the Lord transform us. Before we get into our topic on prayer, big news about the website. ClumsyTheosis.net has been all kinds of prettied up and made super user-friendly, and it's been a labor of love. I think that it totally shows because I absolutely love how the website turned out. Not only is it clean and sleek and easy to use, you can now find and listen to all of the episodes on the same page. And that's huge because that means that if there are people that you wish that you could share clumsy theosis with, but they don't do podcasts, whatever their hangup is, you can now share clumsy theosis with them through the website. All you have to do is direct them to clumsytheosis.net and everything will be at their fingertips. One of my closest friends has been wanting to listen to the podcast since the beginning, but she just doesn't get podcasting. And that's okay that it's not something that she's into because now that I've updated the website, she's listening to all of the old episodes at work from her computer. So go check it out, clumsytheosis.net. Um, and there's going to be more things coming on the website. And I think that it's actually going to be sooner than later, which I'm super excited about. And a special thank you to Tony for another donation because there's a lot of costs that go into podcasting a lot more than I ever expected, such as the website. Like I was able to overhaul the website with donations from listeners like yourself. So please consider making a donation to help Clumsy Theosis grow. That being said, we're going to move on to today's topic, which is prayer. Two types of prayer, to be specific. Uh, We're going to talk about imaginative prayer and quiet prayer. And I want to share this excerpt really quickly with you from the Catechism to get us started today. What it says about prayer is something that I think that we forget or maybe we never knew. And when this is forgotten, prayer is in a way, knocked off of its axis. And when something that's supposed to be moving and rotating on an axis, when it gets knocked off of its axis, it becomes harder to move sometimes, or it even will just get stuck. And that's not what we want to associate with prayer. We want prayer to be smooth and continual and really fluid. Okay, so the catechism says this, God calls man first. Man may forget his creator or hide far from his face. He may run after idols or accuse the deity of having abandoned him. Yet, the living and true God tirelessly calls each person to that mysterious encounter known as prayer. In prayer, the faithful God's initiative of love always comes first. Our first step is always a response. And this is Catechism Paragraph 2567. Now, the question we have to pause and ask ourselves here is, How do we respond? Assuming, you know, that we do respond, how do we do it? In what manner do we respond? Is it through words, our imagination, or stillness? Praying with words sometimes is called vocal prayer, and it's the first way that most of us learn how to pray, and it was the first way that Jesus taught his apostles to pray when he taught them the Our Father. Through a lot of the vocal prayers that we learn, we learn how to praise God because there's usually this element of expressing how good or faithful or merciful God is. 
Now, even if our vocal prayer is just prayer of petition, it acknowledges that God is powerful and loving and that God would and could answer our prayers. Now, vocal prayer, it's great, but in the spiritual life, in a relationship with the triune God, we are beckoned beyond words to the imagination, for instance, or to the quieted mind. And there are two powerful and abundant ways of praying to help us to meet God in these places. And that would be through imaginative prayer and silent prayer. Technically, they're referred to as cataphatic and apophatic prayer, respectively. But who talks like that? Like you don't meet a friend for coffee and say, I had the best cataphatic prayer experience the other day. No, we say things like the Lord revealed the most powerful thing to me yesterday when I was meditating and imagining uh, Sunday's gospel. Or the Lord brought me to such a place of peace and rest the other day, right? Now, sometimes people hear imagination and they think childish, pretend, make-believe, or sometimes they might even think fake. On the contrary. See, when we engage the imagination in prayer, we employ thoughts and images. Say, when we're pondering over scripture or the lives of the saints, um, our memories or current situations, and we imagine what is seen, heard, smelt, tasted, and touched, along with what is felt, you know, in the emotions, we bring our whole sense life into our prayer experience. And this makes it more of a full human act, all thanks to the imagination. Think about it this way. If you have a loved one or a close friend and they're telling you about something in their life, most of the time we have this natural desire to experience it with them. Even if what they're telling us is already, it's already in the past, it's already happened, or this person is far away from us, like they're in another city or state or country or something along those lines, we still want to experience their life with them. So what do we do? We use empathy and sympathy and we put ourselves in their situation. And when we're doing this, we're joining our thoughts, our feelings, our own experiences, and anything else that's going to help us to unite with them in their experience that they're sharing with us. See, we're using our imaginations to tap into their life and share in it with them. And everyone's done this. Like everyone has an imagination. Even people who don't think of themselves as creative have and use their imaginations, at least in this context, which means that everyone can do imaginative prayer. Just as the imagination helps us to deepen the union that we share with those people in our lives that we love and care about, it does the same thing in our relationship with God the Father, with God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all of this through our prayer lives. By employing our imagination during prayer, we're attempting to actively participate in the gospel mystery. And today, I know there's a number of Catholics out there who might have been introduced to this concept of praying with the imagination through St. Ignatius of Loyola and his spiritual exercises, but imaginative prayer has been around since right around the beginning of Christianity, and so has quiet prayer. Quiet prayer, it transcends our thoughts and our images, and it seeks a stillness or a quietness of our mind. Now, this is not an emptiness. There's a positive sense to this quietness. It's like it's an attitude of listening and an experience of presence, right? We're listening for God and we're aware of his presence in this mode of prayer. 
And the thinking behind this is that God is beyond all understanding. And therefore, we have to rise above words and concepts and images in order to encounter him. And so all of our human concepts in this mode of prayer are replaced by his immediate presence. And I know that uh, St. Teresa of Avila, she describes this in her writings when she um, wrote The Way of Perfection, and she calls it the prayer of quiet. Her writings, they suggest a progression in the spiritual life, you know, and the prayer of quiet is seen kind of as like the end game. But is that really the case? Is quiet prayer superior to imaginative prayer? Is it the higher or the more fruitful form of prayer? And if so, should imaginative prayer be used only to advance us to quiet prayer? Well, Eastern Catholic and even Orthodox Christians, they'll say no to these questions. They may qualify their answers here and there, but primarily they'll say there's no exact progression or stages in the spiritual life. And their reason stems from the fact that prayer is a direct encounter with a person between us and God. And this relationship, it it cannot have rules and restrictions placed upon it, right? Our encounter with the divine is supposed to be, it's supposed to be free and unpredictable and spontaneous. And I totally, totally agree with that. And out of respect for the freedom of our encounter with God, we shouldn't impose a hierarchy within the spiritual life. Plus, I mean, we've been invited to commune with the almighty and ever-living God. I mean, he's initiating the whole thing, and he knows what mode of prayer will feed us best at specific times in our life. So why not just let him make the decision, do you know? And I know I've titled this episode Imaginative Prayer versus Quiet Prayer, but the truth is that neither can be considered in general to be superior or more efficacious than the other right? They are just different ways of communing with God, and they occur on different levels of human consciousness. So since they're both efficacious and both beneficial, how do we add them to our spiritual toolboxes? Uh, Typically, for me, when I pray, it's with imaginative prayer, and it's just because it comes most naturally to me. But initially, back when I began to get serious about my prayer life, I didn't even know that imaginative prayer existed. I had only ever heard people talk about prayer by saying things like it's a meeting, um, it's a meeting with God in the silence or, you know, when they talk about scripture, going into your room and praying in secret or just the idea of like meditating, which I assumed meant quiet and thoughtless. But you know what happens when you assume, right? You're, yeah. Anyways. (laughs) And I'm sure like there's like a bunch of other small cues that I picked up along the way that made me believe that true prayer was just silence. And I thought that I was supposed to like sit still until every thought had left my mind. And then when my thoughts had basically like flatlined, I might just maybe after I learned how to master some spiritual thing that no one ever told me about that I would hear God speak in my thoughts. And this is so wrong, so, so wrong. But then I I read the writings of the mystics and they changed my life. Like the writings that they wrote about their encounters with God in prayer, they were so colorful and active and just full and rich. And like God would have conversations with them and he would show them stories. Like he would like play out a story in front of them and he would even give them things, like things that they could touch and see and smell and taste and It just seemed wild to me, like this possibility, their experiences seemed so natural to me at the same time. 
And like I said, this was a game changer. And mostly because it was like the Lord was saying, Rochelle, come with me. I want to show you things, lots of things. Like I felt like I was being let in on some sort of a secret, like some kind of, um, like a, like I had found a secret garden or like a magical land in the back of a wardrobe, you know, um, it was just, it felt so surreal, but so natural, you know, that I was being invited to this, this world with the Lord. So how did I do it? How did I start praying with my imagination? Well, I noticed that many of the mystics, they were doing it with scripture. A lot of them used Song of Songs, the Psalms, or uh, the Passion Narratives. And I really didn't understand Song of Songs, so I was like just going to leave that, you know, off to the side (laughs) uh, for a couple of years. And the Passion, since I was just beginning, it just seemed so intense for me. Like as a beginner, it just seemed like it was just like overload. So I started with the Psalms and the Holy Spirit truly was my teacher. As I read the Psalms, I would imagine the scenes depicted or the feeling that the psalmist must be feeling based off of what what he said. And I'd imagine with my senses what they would be experiencing. And then I would ask myself questions about the details in what I was imagining. And sometimes I'd get stuck on a question, like I'd keep going back to it and keep going back to it. And so I figured that I was just supposed to stay there in that in that detail or in that part of the scene and just kind of like soak it in and let it marinate. But now let me make it clear. I want you to know that this was all done prayerfully, meaning that I wasn't just designing a story all on my own. I was doing it all with God, meaning depending on which member of the Trinity I was happening to converse with at that time, whenever I would imagine something, I would show it to them and then ask them about it. And now that I think about it, because I hadn't thought about it before, but it's kind of like the way that a little kid is with a parent or an adult, you know, that they want to show you everything that they're doing as they're doing it, you know, every little thing, they're like, look what I did. What do you think? Look at this. Look at this. What do you think? Right? They're, they're looking for praise and approval. And like, even like underneath it all, they're looking for like correction. Like if they're wrong, they want to be corrected. And sometimes the Lord did correct me. Actually, frequently he would correct me or like redirect me like, no, let's focus on this over here. Um, it was It was childlike faith now that I think about it, which we're all supposed to have. It was really exciting to discover this form of prayer. And even today, it's really exciting to even engage in it. And if it's something that you think is exciting um, as a prospect or something that you do that ex- that is exciting already in your spiritual life, please take a moment and share this with a friend so that they can also experience this excitement, this newness of imaginative prayer. Like right now, pull out your phone before you forget. Text them this episode information and send them to clumsytheosis.net. All right, so back to my little story. After a while, I um, I learned through it when I was experiencing a oneness with God, or sometimes it's referred to an at-one-ment. As we've seen with imaginative prayer, we don't leave behind the mind, right? We use it, right? We use our intellect. We integrate it rather into our hearts. And this is also true of quiet prayer. Oh, and also imaginative prayer is a means of meditation. Back in the day when I was first learning how to pray, I did not make this connection automatically on my own. I didn't put these things together. So in case you're like me and you think in a similar way, if you want to meditate and you don't know how to do it, try imaginative prayer. Okay, back to quiet prayer. Recently, during prayer, and this was actually while listening to worship music, so worship music is also an option, 
I can't tell you any details about this song, but I do know that there was a phrase that pierced my heart during this song, and I knew that it was a Holy Spirit moment. And the phrase was to prepare a place. And I knew that the Lord was asking me. He was saying, prepare a place for me. Prepare a place for my heart. So for the next few days in my typical prayer style of imaginative prayer, I was busying myself, you know, imaginatively running around and preparing a garden for the Lord in my heart because I had this sense, and I still have this sense, that the Lord is about to do something big within me, through me, and there's this sense of abundance. And so I started thinking big. You know, I started I started thinking garden or uh, rainforest or the Garden of Eden or even like the restored Eden in that we read about in uh, Revelation 22. So in my mind, I'm thinking soil and earth and seed, vegetation, water, like rivers and streams and living water. And all of the scripture passages that come to mind when we hear these words in like a prayerful setting, like this is where my mind is, this is where my heart is. And it was so fun and it was so exciting to work in this arena, you know, in this garden arena um, in my heart for those few days, but that's not what the Lord was calling me to do. And I knew this because I started to feel kind of stuck, like the Lord was halting my progress. And come to find out, he didn't want me to work and busy myself in this way during prayer, the way that I do when I pray imaginatively. And I realized that he wanted me to let him do the work. He wanted me to prepare a place for him, like prepare some space for him to come in and work. And quiet prayer, that's what happens. God does all the heavy lifting in quiet prayer. We totally forget ourselves and our attention is solely focused on the Lord's existence. We're engrossed in him because the rational mind, it it can't plumb the mystery of God's loving will for us. Like our minds are quiet in his presence while he brings us into his depths during quiet prayer. And if you've heard of contemplation, like in the practice of Lexio Divina, it can be likened to quiet prayer. And in quiet prayer, the Lord may be calling you to a deeper union with himself, one that we can't put into words or images, and it just goes past our senses and our thoughts. And this is where the Lord wanted to take me. And in my case, it was for the purpose of healing. Last year, I think it was probably around this time, I mentioned in one of my episodes, kind of in passing, that I was suffering a persecution. And that persecution lasted for like a year. And so this past year, I was outright bullied and demeaned cut down, and just regularly treated with contempt by someone in my life who had authority. And it was done in secret, of course, because that's how all good bullies operate. But then I started to notice it was affecting my health, and I was having all these crazy digestion issues and panic attacks, and I was even bursting into tears, which, if you know me, I'm not a crier, you know, not like that. So my body was obviously manifesting the damages that were being done to my heart, to my psyche, and even to my soul. Because when someone doesn't uphold your dignity as a child of God, it does affect you on a soul level. But don't worry, it was not my husband. It wasn't anything like that. He's totally amazing. And so the Lord knew I needed some super deep healing. And now that I was no longer in that place of violence, I felt like I was safe and that the Lord, he knew this, right? And he knew that I was ready, ready to let him heal me on these like super deep levels. And so he invited me into this type of quiet prayer where he does all the work. And healing, 
is not the only reason to enter into quiet prayer. This is just my most recent experience, and that's why I bring it up. This is actually the first time that I've ever done healing with the Lord this way. Normally, we've always done it through um, imaginative prayer work. But yeah, so I want to make it very clear that quiet prayer is not only for healing. Really, it's for whatever God wants it to be for. And that usually always boils down to union, right? He just wants there to be nothing between him and us. He just wants union with us. And sometimes quiet prayer is the method that he uses to achieve that. So how do we do it? How do we transcend thoughts and words and images and not fall asleep? That's a valid question. How do you do this and not fall asleep? Okay, we do it by using an emptying technique because that enables us to center our attention solely on God. And remember, we're not emptying ourselves to be like void of anything. It's a positive emptiness. We're, we're listening and we're aware, right? And we're centering ourselves on God. And for me, the way that I did this most recently is using the Jesus prayer. Now, I talked about the Jesus prayer, and I think it was the second part or the second episode in the four-part series that I just did called The Trinity and Jesus in the Early Church. Go and listen to it if you haven't. Now, the Jesus prayer is a short, repetitive prayer that we use to synchronize to our breathing. And when we say verbally or mentally, when we say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, we breathe in Christ and all the truth that comes from that proclamation that we just made, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. Then when we breathe out, we say, have mercy on me, a sinner, and we release all that is not of God as we exhale. The aim of the Jesus prayer, especially in this setting, is not to suspend all of our thoughts. The aim is to encounter a person and not just any person, Jesus the person who we just professed our belief in as the Son of God. And if you remember from our series that I just mentioned, Jesus is truly divine and completely human. He is our Lord and our Savior. And if you listen to the fourth episode in that series, it's going to tell you all about what it means for Jesus to be fully man and truly divine. And it actually will make your Jesus prayer much sweeter once you grasp this and internalize this. So, So you're doing this, what happens if you have some other thoughts or distractions? I use the exhales to deliberately surrender all of these distractions and thoughts and offer them to the Lord. Anytime they come in, as soon as I have an exhale, I send them to the Lord. See, the Jesus prayer and any Christian invocation or mantra for that matter, it's not there to keep you from thinking. It's there to safeguard your thoughts and your heart, right? So Using this short prayer, yes, this prayer is a prayer of words, but those words, they don't interfere with the prayer. They allow you to reach beyond language into what is called the living silence of God. Doesn't that sound so awesome? The living silence of God. Now, can you think of anyone who would want to go beyond words and partake of the living silence of God? Like right now, whoever came to your mind please share this episode with them. They need to learn how to do prayer of quiet. All right, now, really it's up to the Lord how silent or how still our minds become. So don't judge yourself by this measure, right? As long as you practice your emptying technique, you will profit immensely from this type of prayer. So please do yourself a favor and try to pray using both imaginative prayer and quiet prayer. Even if you've tried one of them or both of them before and you just weren't feeling it, 
Give it another try. You don't know how it will be now that you're in a different stage of your spiritual life. So do each of these for one week and see what happens. Try to use the Jesus prayer and for imaginative prayer, try the Psalms or even Sunday's gospel. Now, don't forget that prayer is always, always, always a place of rest. Even in imaginative prayer, when you know you're, you're doing all this imaginative work, it's still restful. And when Jesus said, come to me, all who are labored, and I will give you rest, this was a legitimate invitation that has no limits on it whatsoever. And I know I say invitation, but from my personal experience, I'd say it's actually more of a plea. Jesus is pleading with us to let him give us rest, and that's physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. Do you know anyone who is in need of rest or anyone who would just like to encounter the Lord in new ways? If you do, send them the info for this episode. Send them to clumsytheosis.net and you should also go and check it out yourself. I'm really excited about this website, if you cannot tell. Um, Also, I wanted to ask you if you wouldn't mind sharing the website on your social media channels. And speaking of social media, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Clumsy Theosis. Please go ahead and tag me in your posts. And if you like this episode, please consider making a donation. Until our next episode, everybody, peace out. Thank you for tuning in to Clumsy Theosis. I'm so happy that you've been able to hang out. If you want to learn more about Clumsy Theosis, you are more than welcome to visit my website, clumsytheosis.net. From clumsytheosis.net, you will also be able to contact me if you're interested in booking me as a speaker or if you're just feeling generous and you'd like to make a donation. Remember that together we can transform the world by letting the Lord transform us.